Whoops. My links are not right. Hold on. My Friday Modern Challenge links to that Twitter thread with the matchup matrix. That's that's not what I meant. I think I linked that matchup matrix in the the Grindcast chat because someone had linked it to me. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting, but I didn't really take that much stock into it because <laughs> I looked at some of the matchup. Is it just it's just like only play only uh, sixty four plus player events on melee, mm-hmm. and even through that, it's like you look at some of the the matchups. Like these are the most like what. One, two, three, four, five, six. I mean, seven, some of them are like ten. twenty something. It's matches. like fifteen. Yeah. The fifteen most played decks in modern, and you get to like the thirteenth most played deck, and it's like a combined total of fifty matches or something. Yeah. <laughs> so when you're pairing it up against another deck, it's like, oh, these decks play against each other six times. And it's like, all right, that's not super relevant to me. <laughs> it also like includes results from team tournaments, which the decks aren't like properly categorized for that. So it like kind of like who knows how that actually impacted the percentages so there's like a bunch of muddy stuff in here oh does it not log the it I, logs the team win not the deck yeah win? exactly that's interesting very interesting <laughs> so you know it's nice to have this as a thing to look at but don't rely on it for anything at all i think when i posted in the discord i was like all right here's some data used exclusively to fit your narratives, whatever they may be. Yes, I think that is correct. <laughs> and that's kind of how I view it. And that's how I'll be referring to it. Like anytime I need to prove something, I'll use it. But anytime I need to disprove something on the chart, I'll just be like, ah, the sample's too small. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's data analysis for you. That's magic data analysis, at least. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a real data analyst. Yeah. We would have to get like Jarvis or something. Who would just like not accept any of this information oh yeah absolutely not uh i don't even think we would could force him to talk about it i don't think he would just go off on a tangent yes but he would he would give us a good solid rant about it and it would that would be worthwhile but uh none of this data would make it to discussion time oh no of course not (laughs) i I, nor should it really Hey everyone, welcome to episode 301 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We're your hosts. I'm Chris Castor-Rappel. With me is Lee McLeod. Hi, Lee. Hi, Chris. How's it going? This fine, not Tuesday afternoon. No, I know. We had to push it to Wednesday. I did have, you know, one of the best meals of my life last night for my sister's birthday. So that was nice. What, what, did you go somewhere special? We went to M Sushi in Durham and got the Grand Omakase, which is, you know, like everybody at the table has to get it and it's seven courses and it is really, really good. I have heard about M Sushi many times because it's in Durham, right? It's really close. Yeah. But I don't, I, I never go there because I don't eat seafood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're not a sushi fan, then it's not the thing for you. But my family enjoys sushi and, whew. If you're in Durham and and you're fine with spending like a decent amount of money on a dinner and you just want a really nice sushi dinner, uh, M Sushi is my favorite restaurant in the area. So, you know, a nice treat. 
you got to talk about him sushi a little more because I'm, I'm pulling up challenges still. Uh, okay, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm so... just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we're, we're, I'm good. I'm good to go. <laughs> we can, Great. We can talk about magic. What are we doing this week? What do you want to talk about? How's your streaming going? All that stuff. Streaming's going pretty well. I am, you know, trying to diversify and try other. I mean, I'm just playing modern right now because all access pass. All access pass. I I, I want to like play ring decks as much as I can while it is available. Card is still over a hundred ticks. Two full weeks into the all access pass. It's the economy so, at work. Let's yeah, go. What a Good nightmare. job, Daybreak Games. <laughs> it's not Daybreak I mean, Games' real fault. Yeah, it's just like how this works. Like nobody drafts on Magic Online anymore, and so product doesn't get opened, and so especially when it's so tilted towards like two cards out of the set having value, then all those cards bear the weight of the entire set's value. And it's a disaster for people who want to have copies of those cards. But yeah, I have been playing mostly mo I mean, I've been playing entirely modern. I was considering doing a, you know, now that the Pia deck has seen adaptations of people trying out runaway steamkin in pioneer. I was thinking of giving that another try for a little bit, but haven't had time yet. So, you know, may play a little Pioneer soon, but mostly modern playing various ring and anti ring. All right. I have to I have to interrupt mm -hmm. the, the modern thing. Well, before we're too far away from the runaway steamkin. Yeah. Do, do you know how I feel about that card? I don't know how you feel about that. I card. hate it. Why I hate do you that hate card it so much? Why? It's just always it always dies. good yeah. when you're only doing the thing that you're already winning the game for. It like accelerates the game in a good way because you're winning better. Mm -hmm. But if you're not winning, it does nothing and I hate it. So this deck specifically does have a category of game where you like get clogged up on your impulse effects. Yeah. And you're just like need to do something. It, yeah. it does seem like pretty good for that, especially since it's like anytime you go impulse into impulse impulse, you're like, huh? What am I doing the next yeah. turn? <laughs> yeah, and this one just like if you had a steamkin in play, it just makes it crazy. And if they kill your steamkin and you have like you played a steamkin and then they killed it, then you're pretty happy to have multiple impulse because you're playing some sort of removal based like grindy game. So I think that this might be a deck that it is good in. And also like Bone Crusher Giant just sucks in the deck, so I think it's a pretty easy swap. So you you can convince me that it's good enough because Bone Crusher is not very good. That I can actually get behind, even though. I still don't think Runaway Steamkin's good, even though it does have its upsides. <laughs> yeah. The deck could use another real threat in it. And, you know, Runaway Steamkin, for whatever it is worth, is like an existential threat. Every time you, like, let your opponent untap with Runaway Steamkin, you're like, am I just dead? Like, what's going to happen to me here? So, uh, you know. But I haven't tried it yet, so I can't say. What I have tried is various modern decks, including the... Now, no longer quite brand new, but we hadn't had a chance to talk about it, like, because it came out between last episode and this episode, the blue-black Demir control ring deck. Uh, I've played a little bit of Breach, played a little more Living End. Living End and the blue-black deck are the only decks that I've been able to, like, win with in Modern. So, for so whatever the that's worth. decks in Modern? They're, they're the only ones that, like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's a, a problem of wrapping my brain around it or whatever. But they're the only ones that I've been able to just like string together wins and feel like I'm doing the the thing that is good in the format. I guess I, you know, I've done some playing with four Have you color, played Burn any? I haven't played Burn any. I think, yeah, I think Burn is fine. I think you can certainly win with Burn in Modern. I think it's one of the better decks. 
Yeah, I actually like Bren a lot right now. Yeah, I think it's well positioned. I think it's good against like almost every ring deck. So yep, and reasonable against Scam. Yeah, but yeah, we'll we'll go over the meta. I you know we have four challenges as always. I think that <laughs> if we're just gonna jump into talking about modern, I think Scam is just the the deck to talk about this weekend. In the challenges, it was almost twenty five percent of the top 32 decks over four challenges. Sunday challenge had 10 scam decks in the top 32. It was in, I think, every top eight, and then just like significant numbers in all of the top 32s. It's not, It's the most played deck in every single challenge this weekend. Yeah, most played deck and winning, and it's just well-positioned. Bowmasters and Voidwalker are really good. It's very good against ring decks. You know, it does that going under thing. It's good, like, against people just, like, trying to goldfish you because mm-hmm. it's got the grief your the grief uh, scam thing yeah. grief is really good bowmasters and blood moon and dothy voidwalker have this like trifecta that catch people doing nonsense so you just like stop them in their tracks while you've thought seized them a couple times it's like really effective you don't get to play the game right now kind yeah. of deck yep and if your deck is like easily picked apart by that you're you can just get run over uh which is I mean, Demir, the Demir control deck did win two challenges, and I think one of the strengths of that deck is it's like it can recover from those scam games. Yeah, the the Demir deck, which I played a fair bit of, uh, I and and I take everything that I have to say about the Demir deck with a grain of salt because I think I did run pretty good with it in most of the matches that I played. Like when I played against Four Color, they very rarely had Veil of Summer. Like, they never stuck a Delighted Halfling. They either didn't have it or I had a kill spell for it. And so, like, a lot of my games against Four Color were probably easier than they should have been. I had good top decks against Scam a lot of the time. Like, I just... I had a, I had a match in the challenge where my opponent went turn one Raghavan, and I had to subtlety it. And then they went turn two Thought Seize You Raghavan, and I was like, I don't know. And then I just immediately drew Bowmasters. And then... <laughs> Later that game, they cast Grief to take my last spell, and then I just immediately drew the one ring on my turn four. So, you know, if I were my opponent, I would have been pretty pretty mauling about that game. So I have had the run goods with that deck, so I think that probably in my head it's a little better than it actually is. But I certainly felt fine against Rakdos with it. It, it felt like one of the better ring matchups versus Rakdos because... Blood Moon doesn't do anything against you. Voidwalker doesn't really do anything against you. Bowmasters are like just a card against you and you have Fatal Push in your own Bowmasters. So a lot of their like free win stuff is not that scary and you're like pretty capable of just like top decking the ring and beating them from there. I was pretty pleased with the blue black deck in a lot of the matchups over the course of, you know, a couple of leagues and a challenge this weekend. So I'm not very high on the Demir control deck. It's not that I think it's a bad deck per se. I just think if this was like it's coming out week essentially mm-hmm. and people hadn't adjusted to what the deck does or even what cards it has in it. For sure. Which is a lot of the power when a deck first gets into the scene like a new deck like this. People are just like I understand you have Orgish by Monster and the wondering like I get that. But oh you just subtleted me? I didn't realize you played that. And just like stuff like that. Just yeah. random stuff like that. Uh, I think the deck is fine. It is a perfectly reasonable deck to play in modern, but I don't expect it to do nearly as well again as it did this week. I think that that's right. Yeah. 
I think it's mostly like it's good against I, I felt comfortable against scam and four color and like coffers stuff like Tron is really, really tough. And then just various other things can get you. I know Jesse beat it four times in a challenge this weekend in the Swiss, just just like four yeah, out against breach. it with breach. So, you know, there's just like stuff that you don't really beat with it. You know, it's just another deck. I, I was pretty happy with it, probably because of a combination of running good and opponents being mostly unprepared for it. But, you know, I lost in the challenge. I went 5-2. I lost to Valakut and to Mill. And I was like one draw away from winning both of those matches, too. So, like, it has game in a lot of stuff, but it's just a deck. Yeah, it, it feels a lot like four color to me, where it's just like bad against a lot of uninteractive stuff or mm-hmm. stuff that plays around slow decks really well. Like Mill, Valakut, mm-hmm. uh, even Breach to an extent that's just like really good at grinding. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. Is I'm sure. It's just, uh, it just like doesn't calibrate a blast to throw an example out that like <laughs> placed in the challenge multiple times in the mm-hmm. multiple challenges. Like there's several calibrated blast decks and these decks just like designed to go over the top of people who are like mid-ranging out their decks yeah burn is also tough for the demir deck like that sort of thing is just and and so people who are playing that type of deck to beat ring decks in general like they're they're going to get the blue black deck too a lot of the time yeah i think the blue black deck is probably at least right now the best of the slow ring the one ring decks Mm -hmm. like mono black and four color and demir like i think demir is on the top of that pile but those is any of those decks I really wouldn't recommend to play, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, they're like hard targeting a portion of the metagame that like everybody is aware of and trying to play around anyways, I guess. And so, you know, for like the Pro Tour, I suspect that that portion of the metagame that like loses to Tron and Coffers and Blue Black Control probably won't be heavily played enough to especially make a, a deck like like Demir good like Tron could still be good because it's Tron and you know there's a fair section of the metagame that it just crushes and Coffer is kind of similarly because it can go over the top of a lot of stuff Demir control is like very much like you know you're casting Sauron's ransom and stuff you you need to your cards need to be good against your opponent. And if they're going like you around, you have Shieldred's Edict in your deck. Like, come on. Right. <laughs> right. You're not just like muscling through anybody because of the power level of your cards. You you need them to be playing the decks that your deck was designed to beat. And you can't like you don't accidentally beat most people. Which is why to pivot back to our original topic. I, that's why I think scam is really strong. Yes, exactly. Because you just you can double grief anybody and win any game. Yeah. That, like they mulligan you have a good hand you keep seven they're like oh no did i just lose the game and sometimes they did and and more than that more than like just this deck is good you know it's a good deck it was improved by having bow masters in it it i think it was approved a lot like it it's not that it was like an additional eight card because it's not like dolly void walkers or whatever mm-hmm. and in some matchups the orchestra master is actually not very good but they always do something like yeah, we mm-hmm. mentioned maybe a couple episodes ago how like proficient it is at just protecting a Teferi. It's really good at the Ragavan fights. Like if they dash yeah. a Ragavan, you have so many answers to it now. Like you can just play a creature, develop a threat, and then you can leave your army token back or your bowmaster back or whatever, so your opponent can't Ragavan you, and you can do whatever you want with your mana because you just have 
a couple of extra creatures that took out a Ragavan on the way in. It, it just has a lot of very good multi-purpose tools and a bunch of random hosers to get all the nonsense decks. Yeah. And I mean, like, Bowmaster specifically is very good. Like, the smaller the game is, the better it is, and Rectos is trying to make the smallest games possible. Yeah, exactly. Beyond that, too, I think that the shifts in the metagame have been very friendly to Rakdos. Like, in particular, some of its worst matchups in Creativity, Rhinos, Hammer, and Murktide, all of those are somewhere on the spectrum to, like, from unplayed to unplayable. So Yeah. Rhinos did win a challenge this weekend, but I still think the deck is unplayable. <laughs> it also, like, top-aided that same challenge, too, which, with smart upgrades to the deck, like, don't get me wrong, like, these these rhinos decks are really well built but i it does not seem like the thing that you yeah. want to be doing right now the relevant like upgrade is the the cycling the island cycling creature mm -hmm. i honestly don't know the name of the cards every time i see it in a deck list it's bugged Lorian <laughs> the name revealed. is bugged <laughs> as someone who's cast this a bunch of times almost as many times as i've cycled it Lorian revealed three blue blue for a sorcery draw three cards yeah. with island cycling Oh, I, I know what it does. I know what the card does. Yeah. But I'm just telling the people what the card does. The way I learn card names is only one of two ways, right? I either see it in deck lists a million times and I just learn it, or I like literally draft the card enough times that I learn its name. Those are the only two ways. I learn. And you're not drafting Lord of the Rings, yeah. Yeah, I'm not drafting Lord of the Rings, and whenever if a card name is just bugged in uh, Wizards' database, I just don't know what it is. <laughs> Yeah, so the first place Rhinos deck from, I guess, one of the Saturday challenges, from the first Saturday challenge, adopted, God, and the stupid thing still has the, whoever finished first in the Swiss as the first place deck, but the first place Rhinos deck adopted Lorian Revealed, four copies of it, which is kind of nice. You, you cut down to 20 lands and you flood so much less and, you know, you're a Cascade deck, so you can spend that one mana to Island Cycle at some point in that game. Uh, it also pitches to things like your f now four main deck Subtlety, which I think is a really smart adaptation of the decks. Subtlety just really good right now and kind of one of the best things that you can be doing against scam especially out of a deck like rhinos which wants to play as fair a game as possible and so if they go to evoke a grief you evoke a subtlety you both are down the same number of cards and they didn't actually get to thought seize you you're much more likely to pay three mana to get two eight eights or two to get an eight eight worth of stats or ten ten worth of stats and that's that'll beat them most of the time I also generally like subtlety in Cascade decks because Teferi is still one of the best cards against Cascade. Yeah. And it like gives you a little extra confidence against Teferi. Yeah. And also still running the four Mystical Disputes. That was the, you know, mm -hmm. Zoomer build of the deck, which I, I think is really, really good right now. Even like even better than when it was first adopted. Yeah. The Mystical Dispute. Yeah. Just a lot of Omnaths and stuff to hit. And also like... Paying three mana to counter a one ring is completely fine. I, I don't know if Crashing Footballs, the Rhinos deck, will come back to like mm -hmm. prominence because it just doesn't... It, it feels like it's fallen off hard. Yeah. Yeah, I, it, it, I struggle to see this being a lasting part of the metagame. The Omnath presence with... I mean, even forget the Omnath presence. Like, for instance, in the, the first challenge of the weekend, there were three living index in the yep. top eight, right? Yeah. And Rhinos is not going to make a comeback when people are just willing to play living in the bunch. 
Well, but Living End is only good in one challenge per weekend, right? So, <laughs> so you, you pick your challenge that Living End isn't in, and then that's when you slip the rhinos in? Yeah, kind of. Well, and I mean, if if rhinos is like the most defensible deck that you can play that has a good matchup against Rakdos, like that may be the spot for it. It is hard for me to see it like being an ongoing good deck, but it might be an acceptable deck that like, okay, this is good against Rakdos, I'm fine against Burn, like, yeah, the Omnath decks are tough, uh, hopefully this isn't a Living End weekend, hopefully the Rakdos decks are pushing the Living End decks out of the space, and, you know, then you could find a spot for it, but I think it's a, you know, it's a medical type deck at this point. Yeah, that seems right. There's, again, so many decks in Modern at any time. Yes. Uh, just because one just comes up and wins a challenge does not necessarily mean that it is a good choice no and i definitely don't think this is just like a perennial good deck or anything like that like murktide still wins challenges every now and then right and i don't think murktide has been a good choice for quite a while yeah see murktide the difference between murktide, murktide and rhinos yeah. here is that bowmasters doesn't really matter to rhinos but bowmasters beats the crap out of murktide <laughs> It's it makes their one drop so embarrassing, which is such a huge part of their yeah. their game plan. Like if it wasn't so bad, like so integral to them to have to like stick a one drop and get get to going so they can like leverage their blue spells, you could like see something else. Like that's kind of how breach works, right? Like they have the same one drops, but you're working towards something else. Mm -hmm. Is it just isn't? <laughs> yeah, I mean the the way that. Ragavan has dropped off from like when you're on the draw and you have a Ragavan in your opening hand, it used to be like, hmm, I wonder if I can manage to connect with this Ragavan. And now it's like, is this Ragavan just gonna lose me the game when I cast it on turn one? Because it might. Honestly, I kind of like Bowmasters for the check on Ragavan in that regard. Like it's it's a cool part of the format for that. No, I, I think that Bowmasters is generally a good card for the format and i i like i like the cards that it's good I like, I like that it is good against the cards that it's good against i'm like pretty happy with that you know being good against teferi being good against ragavan are like that's fine <laughs> i have no problem yeah, without without being like you know oko is good against oko kind of deal like, yeah this is just like a fine card <laughs> it is funny because like bowmaster the best answer to a bowmasters is another bowmasters so it like perpetuates itself in the format because the more bowmaster decks there are the more you kind like you know blue black control heavily exists because bowmasters is good against the bowmasters out of scam and you have no reason to run your bowmasters out so you're like happy to wait for a good opening to bowmasters them so i really enjoyed and this is a little off topic but i really enjoyed watching the uh SCG this past weekend which is a team tournament that yeah. you cast by the way yeah it did a little bit <laughs> Uh, I've really enjoyed watching the Legacy play because, and I, I usually do, Legacy's cool. Mm -hmm. The the like pacing of Orcish Master in that format, yeah, which has Brainstorm in it, is like very important and also super cool because like everyone's playing Bowmaster. The you just splash black and a bunch of random decks for Bowmaster now mm -hmm. because it's such a good like threat. Plus, does my opponent have Orcish Bowmaster here? Like, how can I have just take three off brainstorm and have them have a four four like is that a thing <laughs> <laughs> which sometimes you can you know depending on which comp if you're doomsday you might not be able to because you might just you know yeah it's really hard to do life it with total doomsday. but with another one of the combo decks in the format you might be fine show and tell or something it's you know you'll, you can get there but like even in modern it's just 
a good presence index and on the battlefield like it does things other than hate the one ring and it's not even like that effective of a hate card against the one ring if your opponent's at like 15 life <laughs> yeah <laughs> right it, it there, there's a threshold around like 11 or so, somewhere between like 9 and 11 where it's like oh man that bowmasters is a problem for this ring like this ring might not get me out of this situation because you have this point of weakness you know the turn you cast the one ring you have protection from everything but then the turn you draw two cards and don't have protection from stuff, and also you don't really want to cast a ring that turn because then you've used one turn on casting a ring and another turn on casting a ring. You're not doing anything. So if Bowmasters comes down and your life total is relevant at that point down in that like 9 to 11 range, and then you go to your second ring turn, you like draw two cards, they get two Bowmaster triggers. If you kind of don't draw the most relevant stuff, like generally your own Bowmasters uh, in, in a lot of the decks, uh, you're just like in trouble there. So that that's where the Bowmasters is really good. But if you started out at like 16, 17 life, then you'll you'll be fine. You can get to that like ring for three turn and usually get there from there. So I don't, I don't know where we're going after that, after we just like gushed about the Bowmasters, but Scam is, Scam is great. Yeah, Scam is just very, very good. I think it's like public enemy number one going into the Pro Tour. I think that Four Color is like kind of the Rakdos of the format, which, you know, similar kinds of decks, really, just mid-rangey removal-based decks that are <laughs> four, like... Four Color is the Rakdos Pioneer? Of the, the, the Pioneer modern. Rakdos decks. Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> okay. That's very confusing coming right <laughs> off of Rakdos mid-range. Uh, yes. Four color is to modern as Rakdos is to pioneer. Just these like 49% Jund decks that are all good cards, but everybody knows about them. Everybody's got a plan against them. If you're very good at playing them and know your sideboard plans and know how to play against everything, then, you know, don't switch off of it probably, but it's not time to pick it up, right? It's not a metagame killer or anything like that. I think most people who play four color would be better served by picking a better mid-range deck like Rakdos because I do think mm -hmm. it's generally more it's going to just do you better in the long run it is my opinion not to hate on people who like four color like I, I get it but at the same time I, yeah. I don't think you should be wedded to playing the four color deck probably true it does the things that it does well which is grind this like board based long game but if everybody's trying to beat the ring and everybody is doing that by playing things like cobalt coffers or urzatron then you're in a really bad spot whereas rakdos can i mean rakdos crushes tron so you know there, there are definitely choices to be made if you want to play some sort of mid-rangey game and you know, being able to double grief is a really big draw to, you know, ha having a nut draw, whereas other decks, other mid-range decks like Four Color don't really have the same level of nut draw is, is really nice. Yeah, I mean, Omnath does produce powerful turns. Yes, but they're later in the game turns, which... Yeah, exactly. The, the, the power that Omnath gives you on turn four to five, depending on if it's backed by Delight Halfling or not, is like not that outside of the realm to what um undying malice on a, a grief gives you <laughs> it is funny that like the elementals got spoiled 
and everybody was like, man, if you get double griefed on turn one with like ephemerate, the game's just over. That's I, I don't want to play against this all the time. And then for a while, it was like, oh, yeah, this this doesn't really happen. You can't play like there's no way to play black and white cards in the same yeah, deck. Or so top cards are happen. garbage. Yeah, there's no no gold card that bridges the pitch costs of solitude and grief. So we're like, we're fine. We're fine. We're fine. And then we just get to a point a couple of years later where, uh, okay, yeah, turn one double grief you is the best deck in the format. Like we finally made it here. I, I, I do think that it, it had a long evolution, like the, the Rectus game deck. Mm-hmm. And I, before Lord of the Rings came out, before this deck got Ogre's Bowmasters, I considered it like a, a strong deck, but nothing super special. Mm-hmm. But I do really think that Orchestra Master gives it that extra punch. It does. And it is well served by the metagame shifts that have taken most of its predators just out of the format. And it, it just gets to kind of run roughshod Cruise. over a lot of the stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. the, the decks that beat it generally can't beat the card, the one ring. And every deck that's not Rakdos or Living End or Burn pretty much is, is like a one ring deck. So that's where we're at. I do feel a little bad for some of the some of the decks that like super get hosed by Rakdos. Uh, I'm mainly thinking of Amulet here. Like Amulet decks just do not exist anymore. <laughs> Amulet is not only bad against Rakdos, but it's also bad against the one ring. So I think that any deck that has that matchup profile where you're neither beating Rakdos nor are you beating like any of the ring decks, that's bad for you. That that just like isn't a tenable position to be in. All right. So where do you want to go from here? What do you want to talk about? I mean, I know that you did well in a 1K this weekend with Hardened Scales. I don't know how long you want to talk about that for, not, how relevant not Hardened very Scales long. is. Not very long. Because the reason I play Hardened Scales was because I had it built and I like playing the deck. I think it's weak in this format I, I don't think it's strong because it's really bad what hardened scales is bad against in my experience is decks that just go big because mm-hmm. hardened scales is really good at like small ball games or games that have to grind for a while yeah like it's good at like both of those areas but it is really bad when your opponent like plays a one ring and then draws eight cards off of it and you don't kill them like <laughs> when the, the time they tap it for the second time or whatever yeah so like i i did beat the the one ring emery lock this past weekend mm-hmm. because they they're emery the one ringed but they couldn't do anything relevant for a couple turns like i had sure basically three protection for everything turns and i couldn't attack or do anything uh, and on the very last turn i had before it was clear they were going to kill me uh, I drew Walking Lista, so then I could just load up Walking Lista and kill them during their upkeep. Sure. That was the only feasible way I could beat it. But I think most of the games, uh, when your opponent has the One Ring going on and you're playing hard scales, you're just not going to do it. <laughs> you're just not really going to comfortably come out for that. I did play against Scam a bunch of times, though, that 1K. And though I do think that matchup is close, uh, you definitely have the tools to just grind forever and beat it. Like the Dazalith from Akoria is extremely strong in that matchup. They have mm-hmm. very, very few ways to get rid of it. And you just like keep activating it against them for value. No, no, no. Not the one. Oh, the original Ozolith. The original Ozolith is incredible because it's sure. it's not graveyard dependent. So even if they have Dothy Voidwalker, you still get to do stuff. Yeah. 
Because that's that one's a leaves play trigger instead of a, a dice trigger. Right. And your modular triggers are like I've sideboarded in Leyline of the Void against Hardened Scales because modular triggers are graveyard triggers. Yeah, they're dice triggers, right. So like if I could only play against Racto Scam uh as Hardened Scales, I think that's like a place I wouldn't love, but I'd be like okay with. We could like we could play real games. Uh, but when people have the ring and all that, I don't mm-hmm. think I really want to be hardened scalesing. Yeah. You got you have to pick out it, it's tough to beat the ring decks and Rakdos Scam. You have to pick out one that you're like, all right, I'm playing against this and I'm I'm happy to be playing against this. And if yeah. if if they're both like if they're both bad, you know, the the case of Amulet Titan, then that's definitely not your choice. If they're both like eh, I don't know about this one, then probably find something else i did enjoy how bad orcish bowmasters was against hardened skills though that was hilarious. that's nice <laughs> uh at one point one of my creatures it was a zabaz off of urza saga like so it just came in as a one one because i didn't have a, a skills effect mm-hmm. uh my opponent like snapped off an orcish bowmasters to kill it because it's like the only thing that's been killable by the card yeah uh and i had Pendlehaven in play <laughs> 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 which was fun uh, on the flip side of that, in one of my leagues with Demir, I played against Infect, and in one of the games, I just drew double Bowmasters against them. Wow. And I think like okay. one, one Bowmasters would have pretty much soloed them, but having two was it was a really weird match. I so I I was trying out Grief in the deck, and I like replaced some of the cards and lands in the deck with Malakir Rebirth. And so I started one game by grief scamming them and they showed me glistener elf, blighted agent, giant growth, giant growth, actual giant, growth? actual giant growth, <laughs> Okay, <laughs> which was very bizarre. But I took the giant growths because I had orcish bowmasters in my hand. So <laughs> not a good time for infect, I would say. It hasn't been for years. No, like, just let it go. Run and six exists. Mostly because bowmasters most exists. times I play a tournament, I get paired against the one person who's playing infect and that lose to them that <laughs> yeah. needs to stop happening i mean you you never play decks that can beat infect but i guess yeah, hard and skills just probably can do that you have walking blista yeah. you know so i'm gonna have to tell you about the deck that i wanted to play on saturday but i couldn't get the cards for sure in time yes which was the cft sock of course F- fan favorite by anyone who recognizes their name <laughs> absolute genius of bizarre deck building built a five color mutate combo deck with vadrock and lord Dracus and i think it's insatiable hemophage is the black one that deals damage equal to the mutate creatures yeah that's just the last the last thing you put on there but it does make it lethal and open the omen paths as a ritual that you flash back and yeah yeah eladomri's call so you keep casting Eladomri's call and then make the biggest mutate stack anyone's ever seen. And your opponent can't interact with the mutate stack because you're playing like Sylvan Karyatan and Slippery Boggle and stuff like that. <laughs> the Slippery Boggle is such a commit. Like Sylvan Karyatan is just like, oh yeah, this makes mana and it's hexproof yeah. and you can build your stack. On- That's nice. Slippery Boggle is like, I'm committed to doing it this way. <laughs> yeah, It's not even Paradise Druid, which is like the next tier down from Sylvan Karyatan. Yeah. It's straight up Slippery Boggle. <laughs> I, that's the deck I wanted to play, but I didn't have a few cards. Actually, they were Slippery Boggles. I don't own Slippery Boggles. Oh, man. <laughs> I could have gotten you Slippery Boggles. I wanted to buy them at the the store, 
but they were at Cincinnati. So all, most of their inventory, that like a slippery boggle, mm-hmm. was just in Cincinnati. So it was just out of my reach. <laughs> well, sorry. But, you know, still got to play Hardened Scales. Still did just fine. Yeah. I mean, Hardened Scales is a fun deck. I like playing it. Yeah. I don't recommend anyone play it unless they love it. But it's sure it's certainly one of the decks you could play. Like it more than Rhinos. Tell you that. Yeah, that's that's fair. <laughs> I mean, you would never play Rhinos, but I would play the other Cascade decks. Yes, but you would never I, Cascade like... into two four fours. No, well, come on. Like, why would I build my deck with <laughs> such specific narrow constraints and just be happy with eight power and toughness? Like, that is not what I'm trying to do. So the thing about Rhinos when it is good is that it's not just eight power and toughness. It's yeah, like it's, you do it's it, interaction. You do. Yeah, it's interaction. And like the the plan is to make eight power and toughness or 10 power and toughness on turn three and then to also do that again on turn four. And that's. That's how I think most of the games that it actually wins goes. Like, you rarely win with yes. one case Cascade spell, but if you do them back-to-back, you get them. But, like, I, I would rather play Living End or the Glimpse deck. Yeah. The Glimpse deck got third to Xenowan. Classic, the only person who consistently top eights slash wins challenges yeah. with the Glimpse <laughs> deck. Coming in hot with uh, four Rift Sowers this time and four Karn the Great Creators. Rift Sower is the suspend Banna Dork. <laughs> <laughs> so you, can ca- you can't cascade into it. Yeah, that is very cool. It's it's Search for Tomorrow, but it, a body so that you can like put it into play with your glimpse and then it counts as a permanent for your next glimpse. Or- yeah, and it taps for any color, so it's pretty friendly for an Omnath deck. Yeah. I, I played against a glimpse deck that had furies and season pyromancers and then they cascaded and i i had protection that turn because i had played a ring and so i was like okay well they can't kill me with omnaths here i i assumed that they were the the elementals version because they played like season pyromancer Pyromancer. discarded a season pyromancer to the season pyromancer they cast a fury and so i was like okay they're the elementals version and then when they cascaded they put an omniscience into play and cast an emerical and so I was like, okay, well, I have no idea what's going on right now. <laughs> yeah, there was another... Uh, Xenowan pretty much always plays Omnath Fury piles, mm-hmm. and he he does the best. So I typically would defer to Xenowan for anything like that. But someone does... like there, I know there was another Glimpse deck in this uh, set of challenges that was playing like the one with the multiverse omniscience mm-hmm. pile. I just hate drawing a hand and having my... Like, opening mana value be 35 so i don't like i don't like doing that personally (laughs) i'm not a huge fan of it and there's nothing you can do i mean obviously it once you do get an omniscience in play then you're like oh i'm glad i have this emerical in my hand but until you do that there's no you can't pitch an emerical to anything like you know they're not doing things for you in your hand and the reason i like the the bigger cascade decks like the living in the glimpse is because they are on the bad against Rakdos, good against all the, the other stuff mm-hmm. side of the format. <laughs> right. Well, so the problem for that tends to be Tron, at least for Living End, because the Tron decks right now are heavy on main deck Relics, and they also have Warping Whales. So that matchup is actually like pretty tough for Living End on the like ring side of things. Like 4-Color, I'm fine with playing against. Like that. That's a matchup that like we've done to death uh, inside and out. But as far as ring decks go, like if people are moving on to Tron, that one is like weirdly hard for living in just because it's like harder to resolve a living in than you would think. Yeah, that that makes sense. It doesn't 
the problem I have with my living in matchup experience is that since living in has been playable, like it's, it's only been playable at the very like start of modern when you're fulminator maging and stuff. And that didn't interest me. Yeah. Uh, and then the current shardless agent modern where I could just play glimpse instead. So that's, that's like my whole in living in matchup knowledge. Like I know some stuff like, you know, blue white control nightmare stuff like that. Yeah. But Tron, I would not have expected. It, well, yeah, and that's just a very specific thing that, you know, you realize after playing those matches. The other ring decks, like, I'm fine. Like, I think you beat the crap out of Mono Black, although they are heavier yeah. on Graveyard Hate, but, like, they don't have stuff like Warping Whale. Mono Black is too full of... Nonsense. Um, yeah. Not nonsense. Just, like, small ball of it. Like, they've got a bunch of Blood Chiefs, Thirsts, and Fatal, Fatal pushes, pushes, and March of Wretched Sorrow is, yeah. I think, the black one. Nonsense. And it's just, like... yeah. This isn't living and right adjacent hate card. <laughs> Some of them do have like main deck relics and they all do have heavy sideboard packages, but it's in that category of like they cannot win game one and then they need to draw multiple hate cards in both game two and three in order to win. And if they don't do exactly that, then you lose the matchup uh, and they don't have the benefit of having to fairy even which uh, four color does. So like matchup is terrible for uh mono black i think that the matchup against like living ends matchup against four color is fine uh, against like you know demir they're in that same spot where their game one is pretty atrocious but in game two and three they need to draw a lot of hate cards so you know living end can have its spots for sure but it's not quite as cut and dried there are some ring configurations that are like oh man that's a lot of a lot of cards that are really bad for me in your deck huh we, can we talk, I don't know if we've done this already, but briefly about the like ring pentagram or whatever shape, how many decks there are. It's like four color, Demir, uh, Tron, Mono Black. They're just like filling the same role in the, mm-hmm. the format right now, which is just like larger than average ring decks that all are like heavily trying to cannibalize each other is yes. the, the read I get. Right. Every build... Every new build of a ring deck is trying to go around the other ring decks specifically. And then you're just counting on having ring to beat everybody else, pretty much. Which is not accurate anymore. Like, the ring doesn't beat everyone anymore. It almost beats nobody now, to be honest. Like, it's very it's very good. It's just that it's pushed, you know, all of the decks that lo- just lose to a turn four ring out of the format completely. Right. And, and like when i look at the way that something like mono black is constructed like all the removal spells getting you up to the the turn for ring mm-hmm. and um you know look at the challenge results and i'm like okay where are the hammer decks that you're just playing all these removal spells for and to get to your ring and it's just they don't exist anymore yeah. they're not there <laughs> yeah the fatal pushes are like in every deck just to like hope that they will gain you enough life against burn. Like that's the only thing that they're good against. And that actually isn't a good enough plan. Like you have to draw your March of wretched sorrow. Yeah. The problem too, is that burn just like takes all the creatures out now mm-hmm. post board. Yeah. And just plays with burn spells and you just draw all these removal spells while you're burn upon being like, all right, lava spike you dude. If I were playing in the pro tour, I think it would be difficult to get me not to register burn for this one. Let's talk about burn. Cause I, I do think burn is good. Yeah. And it, I, I will repeat the line everyone says about Burn is that it has done a disservice by its 
least faithful players. <laughs> yes. People are just play and burn because it's burn, you know? Yep. And they just cast as many lightning bolts as they can each turn for the entire game without actually bothering to play magic in the game. Yeah. Yeah, you 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 have to think about your your turns when you're playing burn because the deck is very strong, but you're also on your opponent has good cards in their deck and you mostly do not. Yeah. And yeah, it's you know, I've I've gone back to this well many many times, but the gap between watching somebody play burn and then I walk over to table 2 and watch Collins playing burn is, you know, there there are a lot of things that you can do with this deck to maximize and you have to buy every single percentage point and when you do like your spells are so cheap they all kind of do the same thing but in slightly different ways and if you sequence them perfectly because you have a lot of flexibility in how you sequence them like the deck is a lot better if you do it right and that it's a difficult thing to just like i can't sit here and tell you how to play burn right but if you practice with it enough and are sequencing correctly in all of your matchups you're gonna win way more than just like somebody who's casting all their lightning bolts every turn it's a deck people think they do not need to practice with mm-hmm. to be proficient on but because now it and maybe that was true like once upon a time when modern was way weaker yeah that is that's not the case anymore if you want to win a, an entire tournament with burn you actually have to put in your hours now to figure out how to beat all the cards people are playing <laughs> yeah yeah like you also have to avoid like suspending your rift bolt into a Teferi or a one ring and just like losing three damage that you can't afford to loot. Like there's there's a lot of little predictive plays that you have to make with the deck. Also, the, every sideboard I see in Burn is just like full of the most suspect cards. But I could have a skewed opinion because usually when I'm playing against Burn, I'm usually playing some Ursa Saga deck. So literally the only sideboard card that's ever like good and also backbreaking is Smash the Smithereens. Yes. And everything else is garbage. Smash the Smithereens is by far the best burn sideboard card because whenever it gets cast, like you lose the game immediately. Yeah. I when I, I did have to play against Burn this past weekend. Uh, my burn player was competent. So I had to like maneuver around Arcbound Ravager being like one of the most important cards I had on the table. <laughs> So that I just wouldn't take free damage from Smash the Smash. <laughs> yeah. Burn gets my recommendation, but you do have to, you know, you have to know how you're beating an Omnath. You have to know how, like, like how a ring is going to affect the game. It, and, I mean, generally the ring is pretty bad against Burn because it literally costs you life. And it's it is slow. slow. But, you know, if the ring comes down and catches a Rift Bolt, then that changes entirely. So you have to make sure that that's not happening to you. Typically, when you play against the ring decks, you can just pass the turn they're going to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the turn after they play the ring, you can just sequence your removal, or your removal, <laughs> your burn, up to that point Yeah, where you do not have sorcerers in your hand anymore. So when they finally put the trigger on the stack to take damage from their ring, you they don't have protection from anything anymore. You can actually use your instance to do whatever you want. Yep. You don't want to like spend your lightning bolts off early and then or uh, not play your creatures early enough to get in damage. So that when your opponent has the protection of everything, you're just looking at like lava spike and skewer the critics or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's a way to lose. Yeah, but I, I do think burn has like a perfectly solid matchup profile right now and good against most of the ring decks and completely acceptable against scam. And that's a fine place to be. Mm hmm. Especially if it's a weekend that, like, 
you know, Living End is getting pushed out because I think Living End is one of the tougher matchups for Burn. If that deck is gone and the Omnath decks are like, I mean, and, and you have a fine matchup against Four Color. It's just like the card Omnath is difficult to beat, but th that's one of the better ways that a rain all, deck can All of the you. like big yeah. mana decks have some way to beat burn if they're given enough time to right. like Tr tron is wormkill engine right which is theoretically very strong except for bird usually just crushes tron no matter what right <laughs> yeah so they all have cards that are really good against you in specific ways but you can typically play around or through them yep you just need to know how yep and i, I think it's super possible I, I think that burn is a great choice right now i guess you know like it similar similar thing to rakdos where like you know, Murktide and Hammer are pretty rough matchups for Burn. But if those are unplayable, then you gain all this percentage, just like Rakdos did. Yeah, and Murktide decks, uh, people are still playing them because I, I I don't know if you've noticed this in any Magic the Gathering format, but people will not put down Steam Vents for any reason. No, that's true. But I think in a legitimate everybody-is-trying-hard tournament, like at the Pro Tour... I mean, I guess there will be people who won't put down Murktide even for the Pro Tour, but... I'm telling you. <laughs> it seems like a wild choice, and I don't think they're going to get a ton of wins. It is... Um, is this the data I don't want to reference what I'm thinking of? I'm not going to pull it up, but I, I, I did see a data point where Murktide was, like, solidly 45% over a, a line graph. <laughs> I'm like, that seems just about right it to me. It seems like a 45% deck. I also, you know, biased here because I don't think I ever register a deck that's, like bad against murktide so i you know i've i've pl played some grief in the past couple of weeks i played some some rakdos in the past couple of weeks but there's also not you know i didn't play against murktide very much with it i i have registered decks that are poor against murktide and those decks just don't exist right now like murktide doesn't really have a place where it's like preying on anything you're just playing your cards and they're generally worse than your opponents yeah, and specifically, you match up very badly against some of the stuff. Like, rather than... Like, yes, if you play Ragavan turn one and your opponent is on Tron, great. If you play Ragavan on turn one and then your opponent has black mana, then you're just, like, sweating for the rest of the match. <laughs> um, do you want to talk about some of the combo decks we haven't talked about? There's not that many in yeah. modern. It's really just Yagmoth, which is pretty good. It places often and claudio won a challenge this past weekend with yagmoth no the, no the one rings this time just straight up yagmoth with uh everyone's favorite string root geists and stuff yeah uh but playing bowmaster Bo obviously yeah of course if you're playing a black deck we're not leaving the bowmasters at home no and this you know it has synergies with the deck it's two bodies for your yagmoth i i do think that yagmoth is totally acceptable especially like as four colors meta sh meta share shrinks this is pretty good some of the decks that are really difficult to beat with it have been like you know rhinos is notoriously a deck that you simply cannot beat with yawgmoth and i don't think that it's likely that you play against rhinos very much you can kill them through a one ring or you know kill them in their upkeep after a, a one ring protection turn uh, the one ring is like I mean, you're not the fastest combo deck, but you put stuff into play. They get like forced to ring. They have a turn of weakness before the ring takes over and you have a decent possibility of winning in that period. I think Yawgmoth is like pretty fine, but 
it's not that good against scams. So, you know, you have that. Yeah. You, you know, you're aiming at the other portion of the metagame. One thing I actually do like about uh, Claudio's build and, and a couple of other Yakmoth players, uh, I know uh, Ganyan is one of the, I think he was in a challenge somewhere, but it, I see his name on Magic Online all the time. And they're a pretty good builder that I respect. The sideboard, the One Rings, I think is really a good strategy for sure. this kind of deck because the one ring is is very good like that was quite correctly identified in the initial builds of yakma but you just like don't need it you don't need to be uh, the one ring deck all the time but against matchups i think like scam where you're just going to be playing with low card economy and the games go long the, the one ring does make a lot of sense it's just like, like a haymaker you can put board in yeah yeah, because just Yagmoth itself alone does not do it. Because if you're looking at like some graveyard hate and a handful of removal against Yagmoth, and then they slam a ring, then that's a really bad spot for you to be in. So I, I think that that makes a lot of sense for game ones or for just generally try. Like if your combo deck is good, you want to be a Yagmoth combo deck. The ring competes like mana wise with the, your the ring slows turn. down your act of comboing yeah. to make you combo more consistently but sometimes you're just consistent enough if you just didn't play the wing in the first place that's kind of what these builds are suggesting yeah like we're, we're just trying to get our our yogmots into play draw a few cards and maybe we'll kill them from there you know we just want to do that every single time we don't want to bother with the one ring game one and then game two we'll we'll play it by ear right do we want to have the one ring in our deck post board yep yeah I, I think that makes a lot of sense and uh, yeah, I, I'm fine with a Yawgmoth choice, especially if you have reps with the deck. Uh, the The advantage of this over like one of the Samwise decks that's there's still not a build of that that I'm like, ooh yeah, here we go. Now this is a deck in the metagame. Uh, the advantage of that is that like Yawgmoth is a really good card if it ends up in play. And yes. the Samwise decks... I have definitely played games against Samwise where it's like, oh, shoot, they're like going to be able to use those foods to return something to their hand that like an Urza saga or something that's really annoying, but nowhere near on the level of like, oh, there's a Yawgmoth in play. This is a bad situation for me. Yeah, there's no shot I'm ever intimidated by a Sam deck unless I'm specifically playing Burn. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's like, oh, this is a, that's a lot of food over is... there. It's not a great matchup for me, huh? I don't, I don't think I have enough skull cracks for those four food tokens. Yeah. Um, um, and then I think the last one to talk about is Breach. Sure. Which I've been trying. I, I think that it is pretty accepted that like this is a deck that there's like four or five people who are good with it and win consistently with it. And then like nobody else even picks it up. Uh, I think that that is kind of reflected in these matchup percentages that we see where it is a have has a good win percentage, but has like barely any matches to its name because the only yeah. people playing it are people who have been playing it. Yeah, the, the time to pick it up and get practice with it was probably before all the Lord of the Rings came, cards came out like yes. in that tiny little window. But uh, people didn't do it. And now there's a bunch of other stuff to play. I, I do think the deck, the... The grinding station deck is solid, but its return on investment is very low, I think, compared to a deck like Yawgmoth. Like, mm -hmm. I think if you're just, you think a combo deck is good in the format and you're willing to start from square one or whatever, do you think the best one is going to be? I think Yawgmoth is the one to pick. I, I just think it's like a little better in 
most of the matchups, like you're still both pretty bad against scam. Like I don't think breach, I think breach is pretty bad against scam and just like Yagmoth. Mm-hmm. But Yagmoth has more backup gameplay. Like the, the backup game plan of the grinding station deck is to just find more combo pieces and grinding station you more. Yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't have a backup plan as much as it does have more of the first game plan. And, because and, the these decks play just all the one rings, no ledger shredders. You're not killing them with Ragavan anymore because of the Bowmaster thing, right? So, and the Saga Construct tokens are good, but but they don't really not get good there enough to solo a game. in modern, right? They and you know you don't run ledger shredder anymore. You don't run Dragon's Rage Channeler anymore, and so there's not really a backup combat damage plan that that works. And I also found that. It's like Breach is not as good of a card in the deck just as like a bridge card. Like it is more of a combo piece now because you don't have Dragon's Rage Channeler anymore. You only fill your graveyard with Emery or when you're comboing with Grinding Station. And so a lot of times those like mid game like, all right, I'm going to cast this this Underworld Breach. I'm going to cast a, a heat from my graveyard and cast two Misha's Baubles. And then that should bridge me to, you know, now your only bridge is, okay, I hit four mana, I'm going to cast the one ring because your your breaches are just not as good and you're kind of, you have fewer cards in your graveyard and you're more incentivized to save them to be your combo piece. So that's just like the deck plays a little differently now. Yeah, I think what you're describing was like a game one phenomenon. <laughs> Like most of the value breaches that I see play are just game two plus because the games go longer. And you're you're the one rings actually do a really good job of filling your graveyard in a very roundabout way. <laughs> like you draw these breaches and other stuff and you just play the other stuff when the game continues and then your graveyard is just naturally stocked mm-hmm. and you play the cards that they care about. Because you're not trying to value breach anymore. Like you're not ledger shredding them out ever. Right. Ever, ever, ever. So every card you cast from your graveyard is going to be you know, or should be a card your opponent actually cares about. <laughs> yes. I mean, the build at the moment with like four one rings, I think will not age well as, and maybe isn't aging well as the whole meta is adjusting to just be like, yes, I understand that this percentage of my opponents is going to try to cast the one ring against me once they hit four mana. Like, you're just you are setting yourself up with just like this distinct point of weakness in your game plan that other people are prepared for yeah i also find that the deck is a little mana light for those kind of shenanigans (laughs) i agree and yeah like these hands that have like a teferi and a wandering in them and you're just like when how am i going to cast these cards like my there's also the strain of versa saga right like you have if you ever want to sometimes you just can't afford to activate constructs because you're trying to get your other stuff online. Mm-hmm. And some casualty of that is you just don't have the mana to deploy the one ring or the constructs sometimes. And because you have the one ring in your deck, you're getting Springleaf Drum a lot more often. Right. <laughs> Which is not a bad thing per se. It's just that sometimes you're just locked into getting Springleaf Drum. Yep. Yep. But, and if that does allow you to then cast the one ring, then it was all worth it. But if you get the Springleaf Drum and then they stop you from casting the one ring, then. Now you have a Springleaf Drum in play, and you're not really going anywhere with that. I, I, I wouldn't fault anyone for playing the deck. I think it's a, a good deck as long as you have practice with it. And if you have zero practice with it, it's I think it's pretty rancid. Yep. Definitely struggled with it as I'm like teaching myself the deck. 
and you know just like experimenting with it and i'll, I'll probably get alan on to walk me through some matches and stuff just because it it's a cool deck with a lot of neat stuff going for it but i certainly can't recommend that anybody like pick it up right now to try to beat this metagame with it no yeah i think there's safer stuff yeah though i, I do think if you like the look of the deck and you you know own grinding stations and you just look at a place to play them you know that that classic problem we all have yeah. <laughs> i own grinding stations i i you know i owned grinding stations way before this was a deck yeah. <laughs> oh no my my grinding stations are just like from a box of mirrored and block cards so so, so i'm not trying to one-up you mm-hmm. but i'm gonna mine are also from a box of fifth on cards and i tried to play them right after kci was banned yeah <laughs> to you know do a new mirror retriever loop right deal yeah and it was garbage obviously because you've never seen it there's no new kci running the streets no that that never <laughs> quite happened but so when this deck finally came out i was like ecstatic and also the um for a brief period of time while i'm just talking about old cards i own for various reasons <laughs> A very brief window of time, there was a... Luris was legal as a companion. Mm-hmm. And there was the Twiddle Storm deck that used Luris as the companion that was actually doing pretty well in a, in random challenges here and there. And though I didn't super like the deck that much, yeah, it played four Twiddles, and I own beta Twiddles. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so I wanted to play with them. So I played it at an event. <laughs> And it was a good time. Yeah, that's great. I guess I also want to mention Mill because I don't, I haven't played a league in the past couple of days without playing against Mill at least once. And I don't really know. I mean, I know why, right? It's because if the metagame is heavily like glacial one ring decks, if it's like decks that are trying to go over the top with Cabal Coffers and Tron, or if it's four color then you just, I mean, it's just burn, but blue instead of red. And it certainly got upgrades. It is powerful. It also does a decent job against some of the linear decks, like uh, against Breach. Like, basically, if they draw a surgical, like, you never beat Mill with Breach. There's there's reason. Tasha's hideous laughter. You're not being it either. <laughs> Dude, okay, so I just played... <laughs> And I think you saw this, but I just played a match against Mill with Breach where I was set up to win. Like I had a grinding station in play. I had a Breach in my hand. They hadn't put a Breach in my graveyard, so they couldn't surgical it. And I was going to be able to force through my uh, grinding station. But then they cast Natasha's Hideous Laughter, which I like kind of had to let that turn go. Whatever they were going to cast, they were going to cast. They cast Tasha's Hideous Laughter and it exiled six of my seven zeros in my deck. (laughs) <laughs> and i didn't have one in my hand and they hadn't milled one into my graveyard and i just couldn't win after that yep tasha's is, is really good against some decks yes so mill is i can see why you would play it and there may be a spot no, for I, I can't i'm not i'm not doing that no, i'm not playing mill i i i pro- i wouldn't i don't think it's like there's a reason that it is getting played It's very easy for there to no longer be a reason for it to get played. And I like I think that we might be at the point where sticking an Emrakul in your sideboard is a fine thing to do for a lot of people right now. 
Sure, I, I can buy that. I don't. Like you, I don't think you should play Mill. I think you should put an Emrakul in your sideboard. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, that that's reasonable. I don't like playing Mill because it's. I don't think the the format never actually reaches that point where Mill has even if Mill has a good matchup spread theoretically mm-hmm. or is really good against some deck. It's always like so polar, right? It's really good against some decks and really bad against other decks. Yeah, you just play against Burn and you're like zero percent or whatever. It's never good enough, and the format is never that tilted towards one the side you needed to be tilted on Mm -hmm. where you can reliably win a tournament or top eight a tournament with a mill you're just going to run into something that just clowns you and you don't have options to like combat it like just play a good deck with good cards in it instead of relying on like the the calibrated blast lottery essentially i i think generally if you think mill is the choice for the weekend maybe just play burn because it's kind of got very similar good matchups and a lot fewer just like oh can't win this one and there also aren't sideboard cards like emrakul against burn and for for the record the demir mill challenge the one that was won by demir mill mm-hmm. was won by tybalt of red sub which i believe is the same player that it's library out Vox. yeah it's library out guy yeah if you look at his history in mtg goldfish it is page after page after page after page after page after page of Demir Mill. So he won the second Saturday challenge, which ends at like, and I don't know. I think I, I think he's Japanese. Yes, yes. So you know, different time zones, but he won the second Saturday challenge with Mill. That finished around like four a.m. Eastern or something like that. And then he beat me in the Sunday challenge with Blue Black Mill. So he just like immediately queued back up because the Sunday challenge starts at 7 a.m. Eastern. So he just immediately queued back up. He had he won with Mill and he hadn't had enough of it. And he queued up for the next challenge with Mill. So this isn't a case of like this particular challenge is not a case of Mill is favored right now. This is a case of this guy lives and breathes it's the only thing he wants to do yes he said it specifically (laughs) and he said it specifically and then everybody in that mox showed up with an emerald in their sideboard so i mean yeah and he didn't do great but he can't he knew what he was about and you have to respect a huge respect to it you just can't do it in an eight man but uh the commitment to just like yeah it's an eight man every and yeah everybody knows who's gonna be in it and yeah i'm gonna show up with mill is I mean, level of respect for that is through the roof. So I'm I'm willing to give uh, Mr. Tybalt of Red Sub his props, but I'm not willing to stake the claim that Demir Mill is something anyone should be doing. No, I, I yeah, I, I think that don't play Mill, but especially in, in the queues right now, in the leagues, sticking an Emrakul in your sideboard is a very acceptable thing to do at this moment. I will admit I had an Emrakul in the sideboard of my deck uh, this past weekend when I was playing Hardened Scales. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Full disclosure. <laughs> you know what? And Hardened Scales, like, barely has a 15th sideboard card anyways, right? So that's fine yeah. to do. Also, the mill matchup's bad because of Tasha's. Sure. Yeah. Oh, look. Walking Ballista, Welding Jar, Anger Backwalker. Ooh. <laughs> All these are zeros. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you... You built your deck the way that people should build modern decks, or at least did build modern decks until the 
elementals became a thing. The elementals struck. Tasha's kind of worse now. Like, not only are elementals in all of the decks, but, like, four one rings in a bunch of decks just adds, you know, 16 CMC. MV, MV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're hip with the times. I can adapt. I'm not I'm not too old. <laughs> I can still learn new tricks. I mean, converted mana cost was always a terrible templating. Yeah. Like what a yeah, what an really awful was. thing to expect a new player to learn. When I when I was learning the game and I saw the term for the first time, I'm like, all right, but okay, so the mana cost is, you know, one in a red. How do I convert that? Yeah, what am, like, I, what converting am I converting it, it to? into? <laughs> <laughs> like rubles peso like what what is this term? Like, what's the conversion rate for red to blue mana yeah, like what, yeah. what i mean blue's obviously better but how much better it was like the that one powerpoint slide where they were like the like energy conversion rates and it was like one energy converts to this like three energies converts to a thopter like two converts to a plus one plus one counter and everybody's oh, like oh yeah, you can yeah. just spend energy to get these things at all times <sighs> No. no 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 two energy is equal to a long tusk cub counter yes three energy is equal to a whirler virtuoso thopter and like eight energy is an extra turn <laughs> yes but you do you do have the cost of playing an unplayable card in order to get that so you know you keep, that's not just the energy economy i think was the the name of the slide if i recall the whole correctly. problem with the energy economy in kaladesh is that it's like it's basically bottled water like the stuff is just in the sky the mm. energy just grab it yeah <laughs> the government is selling you lies <laughs> yeah i uh i'll be honest i didn't read any of the kaladesh stories so i don't know how any of that works that's why all the clouds are squiggles and there's all the swirls and the patterns and stuff maybe the air is literally magic maybe that's a statement on you know the sun is there energy is here it's free like stop letting companies charge you for it yeah it's easier in magic because it's like it's just ether that's Mm -hmm. they just put it from the air into the bottles or whatever they they stored it in yeah but it's allocated it and sold it to people but it's a metaphor with like yeah yeah it's obviously yeah you could just literally just grab it right right right. right. they're not converting it to anything it's just energy power companies you know they take lightning out of the air and whatever (laughs) well they take it out of the ground (laughs) yeah 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 i mean there's lots of ways sure but it all boils down to that uh capitalism is theft and i think that was the plot of or it should have been the plot of aether revolt they just couldn't really say it right since their corporation yeah yeah we should go back to kaladesh we're getting the we're getting the whole two and a half year plan Kaladesh mm-hmm. is a beautiful location. Like I, I legitimately very much enjoy the art and such of Kaladesh. Yeah, me too. We should go back. I'm, I'm down. And lots of cool cards from Kaladesh too. I know we had energy, whatever, whatever, whatever. But lots I, of- so we had energy, but I loved playing with energy. <laughs> I mean, me I really too. enjoyed Dynavolt Tower. I really enjoyed Aetherworks Marvel. And I know I'm the devil, but I really enjoyed those cards. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't enjoy Aetherworks Marvel so much, but I did enjoy, like, you know, Bristling Hydra, the fairest magic card that was a four of in a a deck, in a, you know, tier zero standard deck. 
I enjoyed Bristling Hydra a lot because it gave you a Thopter. <laughs> <laughs> like I still, I I still remember a, a, a like turn in you know this like tournament that I won uh, in Europe where I just like played five energy mirrors in the Swiss and every single match was determined by like my opponent making a mistake or me like figuring out a, a really like like a line that I was very proud of after the match like the the matches were really good and I had this one where just like my opponent didn't realize which he should have because I just like attacked with a bristling hydra on a weird turn the turn before where where like it made me take way more damage on the backswing but then I got to just attack with two bristling hydras and then cast a harness lightning to give myself exactly lethal and then my opponent just like looked at me and then like looked at the board and then like looked at a removal spell in his hand that he could no longer cast because both of my bristling hydras had hexproof and was like oh and i just like 12 him in one turn and it felt like really good yeah i i i actually really like energy as a mechanic uh i get i get why it was a little overdone yeah mostly because the free energy production a lot of cards just gave you along the way yes the the rates were a little off compared to the other stuff in the format and not being able to do anything about like your opponent has 12 energy and you're just sitting there like there's nothing i can do about this as soon as they draw a world of virtuoso like i'm just dead like th there were weird feelings around some of this stuff but you know let's go to kaladesh it's a beautiful place it is cool thopters are great too yeah there's like every set now that's true most some of that is like just Sahili being in a lot of sets recently. <laughs> I guess that's true. Pretty bummed that cool Sahili is just like just didn't turn out to be playable at all. I love that card and really want to do stuff with it. Yeah, maybe we'll get another one. I mean, one of the Sahilis was basically banned. <laughs> so yeah, true. She has some good track record. <laughs> no, but but I mean the the recent one that makes I, I know what doctors, you mean. Yeah. I, you mean the format one for Brothers. Yeah, World, right? yeah. What's what's her name? Sahila Sahili Filigree Master. Mm -hmm. One day, soon. I'm just willing it into the world. It's the only place I really care about going. I think that's fair. I don't I don't see us going back to Aquaria anytime soon. Though I love that plane too. Yeah, I mean, as as you messaged me earlier, uh, we're certainly going back to Ravnica two to three times over the next two years. I will not hear it. I will not hear of it. <laughs> I don't know. Anything else that we should talk about? Should we should we give like our final modern recommendations for for this weekend or something like that? Yeah, I, ha I have a I have a theoretical question that's yes. actually very real. Oh wait, actually, I did have a note though before we get to that because that, that's a a good wrapping up segment. Uh, I do want to mention just that now all of the land cyclers are good. Are good. So you know you've got the living end ones, Oliphant, and the tree are good i guess the white one isn't whatever you know whoa whoa somebody's well, somebody's is... pitching it's a shining shoal in some of the modern games <laughs> yeah. someone is absolutely pitching it's a shining shoal right this second <laughs> so so yeah that 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 is a thing but in like more clearly relevant stuff the troll is just straight up a good legacy card like we had the pleasure of watching some jerry thompson versus noah walker delver legacy matchup which is you know so, side note on that the, the matchup the, the players are great yeah just excellent people and very good players 
Uh, Anurag does this thing on a stream, which you should be watching if you want to watch any coverage, by the way, where you bet on the players, like the matchup, who's, who's, who's going to come out on top. And for that one, we were actually watching the Legacy match, and it was Noah Walker versus Jerry Thompson in a mirror. They're both playing Blue Like Death Shadow. And Jerry was winning the vote heavily. I put literally every single one of my channel points on Noah <laughs> because there's just no doubt in my mind <laughs> of like who is the more consistent, better player in the mirror, especially mm -hmm. in a blue tempo mirror. And just like Noah, Noah did great. He won me all my channel points back. <laughs> yeah, no, Noah is incredible at delver decks i mean Noah's a very good player generally but that's his his absolute bread and butter and and you know jerry has played a ton of blue tempo decks oh i'm not saying jerry's bad that's not but my... you know jerry is more well known but noah is like a an absolutely lights out player uh, especially i would take noah to be almost everyone in legacy that's pretty fair. but in the mirror it was just like a no-brainer <laughs> yeah but anyways Jerry had a really nice build of Death Shadow that included four copies of Reanimate as, as a solid value card that's like good at getting your opponent's stuff after you thought sees them. Also good at getting your Bowmasters back after they die because a lot of matchups are decided by who has more Bowmasters. And, you know, if you go Bowmasters, they go Bowmasters, you have Reanimate. Fantastic. If they go Bowmasters, you go Bowmasters, and then you reanimate their Bowmasters. Fantastic. Yeah. The reanimate Bowmasters is just so crazy. It's really good. <laughs> But also, just for to have an additional punch, you can play a couple of copies of Troll of Kazadur and it is or Kazadoom, and it is a six-five, basically unblockable. You reanimate it back, lose six life, make your your death shadows really big, and that's that's nice. It's a lot bigger than a street wraith, and it does things for you like, I mean, just generally. You know, in Lorien Revealed, seeing more play both in like Murktide, Rhinos, and the Demir Control deck in Modern. But generally, these are kind of comes into play tap lands that you can pitch to your spells that also are one thing that I found really, really useful is like fetch lands allow you to play around Blood Moon to some extent. But Alorian Revealed, you don't need to play around the Blood Moon. You can wait, and then they cast the Blood Moon, and you're like, oh, okay, well, then I'll get my basic island with this. And that's, like, really nice. That That's a huge bonus. And with Lorien Revealed as well, like, you cast it for five mana and draw three cards a decent amount of the time, like, more than you might think. And, yeah, these cards are just, like, good and will be in decks going forward. Lorien Revealed more in regular decks, but the, the troll has its place as well my only regret for these commons is that they aren't they're printed in a weird border so it makes my deck mismatch yeah a weird frame they'll get some reprintings after seeing enough play <sighs> really hard to reprint cards in a not uh universes yeah. beyond when they're called i know troll, troll and Kazador, <laughs> yeah generous and yeah oliphant they are all pretty lord of the rings specific huh yeah i don't know what the white one's called but it's probably eagle or something or another yeah Lorien revealed pretty, pretty specific. <laughs> Though I do like the, I think it's a consider that's in one of the, the commander decks. Mm -hmm. It's got Gandalf on it and it has the surveil text on it. Mm, nice. Yeah. That is cool. That's nice. But anyways, yes. 
now now that we have addressed the land cyclers, let, let's go on to the final question of the day. All right, so here here's the situation. Yes. I am playing in a team tournament this weekend, in, in a few days. Let's say my modern player does not know what to play. <laughs> is this a hypothetical you... or is this an actual? This is a situation. Oh, it's a hypothetical. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not an actual situation. Okay. My modern player is out, oh, so okay. I know what he's going to play. All right, all right, all right. Who's your third player on your team, by the way? Chris. Oh. Not you, the other one. Yes, no. If it were me, I would be aware, probably. Surprise! Surprise! <laughs> You're playing Legacy. <laughs> it's brutal. Okay, let me prepare. I've been playing a lot that's, of Modern lately. That's how I like to do it. You just, you know, you ambush your friends with, hey, you're you're coming with hey, us. You haven't played Charlotte. Legacy in three years, right? Would you like to? <laughs> you've, you've got a Legacy deck, surely. You're like, come on. Reserve list cards. Don't worry about this. I think the last, just hop on board. The last time I played Legacy, Gitaxian Probe was legal. So, you Good know. lord. <laughs> so you're in practice. Jeez, I can't believe I've played Legacy more recently than you have. <laughs> yeah, so in this hypothetical situation where Alan is not your modern seat and your modern player does not know what to play. It's an Alan with amnesia. Yes. I mean, you know, our listeners heard this whole episode. I, I think it's pretty clear. My two recommendations are Scam and Burn. I, I think that they're both excellent I think Burn is maybe even a little bit better positioned than Scam right now, possibly. But I think Scam is just really crushing. And again, like, I mean, for both of the decks, their bad matchups have diminished pretty considerably. Uh, but Scam in particular, because its matchups can be a little polarized, a lot of the stuff that was the toughest for it is nowhere to be found. Although in a local team tournament maybe it's not quite as sensitive to the up to the minute like meta changes like leagues and stuff are so maybe just burn for that one honestly because just... so i the one reason i like scam is because i think it's just generally good a good deck with good cards in it mm -hmm. and you're not going to be like blindsided by decks back and forth like i do expect people to play murktide because they'll never stop right that's ever that's kind of the main thing that i'm thinking but burn is but also I still kind think of you can just like do well against those yeah like I, I think i don't think you're like lights out against them no and i think burn is like equally bad against murktide as scam is so you know that's not like a big difference maker either way yeah i think those are good choices i see i only had like one like i think scam is the slam dunk uh, i don't know what else i would kind of put alongside it like burn is a good choice i wouldn't fault anyone for playing it i Maybe I'm a little hesitant on burn because I'm very bad at playing burn. <laughs> and I'm kind of basing my opinion on that. Like, you know, the average rune player, Lee, who's very bad at burn. <laughs> sure. <laughs> totally reasonable. I, yeah, I'm probably in a similar place. But if, if I if I could put some time into it and make sure that I'm getting all of the current interactions going, then, you know. Like if I had Collins you, yeah. you know, in, the, in the burn seat, that, that'd be a no-brainer for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also think out of the like rolling the dice decks of like, hey, I hope that the meta is like, you know, has tilted in, in favor of this. I think that, you know, Living End is perfectly capable of having a really good weekend as we saw like the Friday challenge just had three Living End decks in the top eight. Scam is a problem for sure. So know your plan against Scam, bring your subtleties and, and you know, that that's where you want to be. But... A lot of the other stuff, 
you can you can kind of crush there there's a decent number of decks still that like their game ones are horrible against living end and then you can just steal one of the post board games so i'm gonna roll the dice with a a a challenge placer you know we've got 23rd place in the saturday challenge one of them it's four core tapper (laughs) (laughs) mono green core tapper has one toughness am i right about does it have two toughness it does have one toughness, Ooh. but you can sacrifice it to put two charge counters on something at instant speed for no cost. Yeah. <laughs> so it's always free. Yeah, yeah. You need your your chalice in play, or or whatever you're putting your charge counters on in play when you cast your core tapper. Yeah. Well, I mean, not much reason to cast it if they're not right. You can also even cast them if, like, theoretically, in this situation where someone's playing this deck, you can cast it on a board that doesn't have anything that uses charge counters. If they kill your core tapper, you can put it on a random artifact, and then you can use those charge counters later to power conduit, power conduit. <laughs> <laughs> into something else. Doesn't power conduit? Yes. Oh, yeah. So that is the one that can remove a counter from any permanent you control. So it has that Urza Saga synergy where you can just like keep yeah. Urza Saga. Tr- yeah, th- this is a very cute deck. Yeah, it's adorable. Got five and two. This person went five and two. Yeah. Way, way to go. That's as good as I did this weekend with a, you know, very focused one ring deck. After my own heart. <sighs> All right. Anything else we need to talk about? No, nah, I, I talked about Core Dapper. I, I'm good for like a year, I think. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. We really, really appreciate your time. Check out the stream, twitch.tv slash CCR underscore grindcast. We are beginning the 12 days of Christmas which is a separate section of Christmas in July where we give away gifts on stream. I have just like a pile of like random foils and stuff that I've picked up over the years that I never sell cards and I never put into decks. So like, you know, RCQ winner promos and things like that. So we'll, we'll be giving those away. Is the 12 days of Christmas at the end? Is it like the 12 last days of July? Yes. Yes. So tomorrow is the 20th and that begins the 12 final days of July. So what is, what are you doing on the 31st? Like the, was that Christmas Eve? I get, I think that's Christmas. Christmas. Well, so the way that actual Christmas works is that the 12 days of Christmas begin on Christmas. So I don't really know how to like make that the thing. So we're just doing the 12 days of Christmas. We're starting on the 20th and making it to the end of the month. So the Christmas is on the 20th. Uh, sure. Christmas is tomorrow. (laughs) Happy Christmas. Yes. Happy Christmas, Harry. Happy Christmas, Ron. Uh, but yeah, that's that. That's it. So, you know. Goodbye. Good yeah. luck. Have fun. Bye. Good luck. Have fun. <laughs> Till next time. Yep. We'll be talking about the Pro Tour. Hopefully have a guest for that. Working on potential qualified folks to come in and hang out. And yeah, other than that, have a great week. Yeah. I hope they can spill secrets about what on earth they're doing to pick a deck in this modern format because it is not easy everybody every like pro tour testing discussion that i am privy to is mostly people going like i can't figure out a deck that's good in this format so you know (laughs) i that's been an ongoing thing and it's hilarious it's it's incredible in a a way because i don't have to play the pro tour right oh yeah It would be, I would be daunted right now if I had a pro tour to like deal with this format for, but outside looking in, it's like very entertaining. Yeah. I just can't wait to watch the pro tour after it's already been figured out and people are just you know, stuck with their decision. 
there's going to be some like a hindsight moment like there's going to be a deck that it's like well shit how did i not realize that this is the deck i was supposed to play and i have no idea what that deck is going to be i really hope matt nass shows up with uh, i don't even know his qualifier for the repertoire some unhinged the one ring combo deck because he, he already played the the hidden strings one yes <laughs> that one i don't think quite gets there but there's something out there right but yeah there's gotta be like you can untap the ring so many different ways yeah all right again thanks y'all for listening have a great week bye